I'm Pastor Daryl Curtis, and you're listening to my 70th sermon on the biblical design of gender, in which my point is that following our own plan, as the idolaters did, will lead us into sin and death, but following the plan of God will lead us into eternal life, eternal maturity, and eternal leadership. The following is a presentation of the Family Life Baptist Church in Lansing, Michigan. For more audio and video content, please visit FamilyLifeBC.com. Good morning on this uh, 10th day of the month of April in the year of uh, 2011. Beautiful Sunday morning, and we're certainly glad to be here this morning. The temperature has chosen to uh, take a turn for the warmer in Lansing, Michigan, and we praise God for that. In our lesson this morning, uh, in our sermon series on the biblical design of gender is part 70 of that series and the text is in ninth chapter in the 36th and 37th verses of the book of 2nd Kings and in it the Bible says this therefore they came back and told Jehu and he said this is the word of the Lord which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite saying on the plot of ground at Jezreel dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuge on the surface of the field in the plot at Jezreel, so that they shall not say, here lies Jezebel. God bless the reading of his word, and let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you afresh for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ for the perfect teaching ministry of your blessed Holy Spirit and for his ability to explain your word. And so, Lord, we ask you that you would give us the words to say and let us say them with liberty, with clarity, and with boldness, and that somebody listening might believe the report. Thanking you in advance for all that you are going to do in the strong and perfect name of Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Now, thank you very much for coming to hear our message for today. And before we begin this, our next lesson, let us reiterate our reason for attending church. We attend church to obtain the mind of Christ, meaning to have the Bible illuminated in our minds so that we can clearly understand the principles that Jesus taught and base our daily personal decisions on those principles. We come to church because we want to be obedient to the Bible, which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ in an informed, insightful, and intelligent manner. And our takeaway point in this series on the biblical design of gender is that God has designed man as the cooperative coalition of husband and wife so that man can successfully achieve the objective that God has given us to exercise dominion over the earth developing wisdom and knowledge in preparation for further responsibility in our eternal life. And in our last lesson, we discussed the fallout of the wars between Syria and Israel. God gave the Syrians military dominance over the nation of Israel because of Israel's idolatry. God blessed his nations with success and abundance. But the leaders of nations have the tendency to forget the fact that, as Psalm 46 and 1 tells us, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help 
in trouble. Now, much like the successful but arrogant Naaman whom we discussed in the last lesson, militarily victorious kings, generals, and warriors have the tendency to forget that their accomplishments are less a function of their own skill and fortitude and more a function of their primary source of, of ability, which is God. Naaman's military conquest notwithstanding, God navigated Naaman's circumstances using leprosy and an Israelite slave girl to conquer Naaman's arrogance and bring him to the worship of God. But God puts constraints, which we call commandments, on the actions of leaders. And an arrogant leader will attempt to throw off the constraints of God by forsaking the worship of God. Idolatry, the worship of man-made gods, which existed during Bible days and still exists even now, does so because the commandments of God cannot be changed, but idols can be controlled by the leader at will. As we discussed in our discussion on abortion in our last lesson, there is clearly a commandment against murder in the Bible, but our current secular idolatry has decided that we have the right to murder our children in the womb. But one cannot accept the blessing of the Lord and then forsake the commandments of the Lord with impunity. Now, before Israel entered the promised land, God warned Israel of the penalty for forsaking the worship God to worship man-made idols. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47 and 48 and verse 52 through 57 tells us, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart, for the abundance of everything. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you, in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. They shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust come down throughout all the land and they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all your land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and daughters whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you. The sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile toward his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that he will not give them any of the flesh of his children whom he will eat, because he has nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates. The tender and delicate woman among you, who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity, will refuse to the husband of her bosom and to her son and her daughter her placenta, which comes out between her feet and her children whom she bears. For she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege 
and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates. So there are military, economic, and political consequences to nations that forsake the worship of God. It may appear that our current economic problems in the United States are the result of bad economic decisions that can be reversed politically. However, we may ultimately find that our problems are less the result of our political policies and more the result of our religious decisions as our society becomes more secular and religiously diverse and less devoted to the worship of God. We can have political debates about the meaning of the separation of church and state and the connection of Christianity to the origin of our nation. But even as we do, we should recognize that which the Bible says about the penalties attached for, to forsaking the worship of God and his son, Jesus Christ. Now the great and wise King Solomon was seduced away into idolatry by the demand of his foreign wives, and God sent the prophet Ahijah to Solomon's general Jeroboam. First Kings 11, 32, 33, and 36 to 39 records, then Ahijah took, home of the new, took hold of the new garment that was on Jeroboam and tore it into 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to you. But he will have one tribe for my sake, for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Shemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the people of Ammon and have not walked in my ways to do what is right in my eyes and keep my statutes and my judgments as did his father David. And to his son, I will give one tribe that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself to put my name there. So I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart desires and you shall be king over Israel. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. And I will afflict the descendants of David because of this, but not forever. Now the 12 tribes of Israel were combined into one great nation, but because of Solomon's idolatry at his death, the 12 tribes of Israel was split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom called Israel under King Jeroboam, consisting of the 10 tribes that God tore away from Solomon and the southern kingdom of Judah, ruled by Solomon's son Rehoboam, consisting of the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. But when Jeroboam became king of Israel, 
which is that which the which is that which the ten northern tribes were called, he did not heed God's commandments. Jeroboam was insecure about sending the men of Israel to the temple in Jerusalem, which was in the southern kingdom ruled by Solomon's son Rehoboam, to worship God. First Kings chapter twelve, verse twenty-six to thirty records, and Jeroboam said in his heart, "Now the kingdom may return to the house of David." if these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam king of Judah. Therefore, the king asked advice, made two calves of gold, and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And since King Jeroboam introduced idolatry into Israel, the Lord was displeased with Jeroboam and struck Jeroboam's son. 1 Kings 14, 1 through 3 and 6 through 16 tells us, At that time, Abijah the son of Jeroboam became sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Please arise and disguise yourself, that they may not recognize you as the wife of Jeroboam, and go to Shiloh. Indeed, Ahijah the prophet is there, who told me that I would be king over this people. Also take with you ten loaves, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to Ahijah, and he will tell you what will become of the child. And so it was, when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps as she came to the door, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam, why do you pretend to be another person? For I have been sent to you with bad news. Go, tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you ruler over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, and yet you have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do only what was right in my eyes, but you have done more evil than all who were before you. For you have gone and made for yourself other gods and molded images to provoke me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male in Israel, bond and free. I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as one takes away refuse until it is all gone. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field, for the Lord has spoken. Arise, therefore, go to your own house. When your feet enter the city, the child shall die, and all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he is the only one of Jeroboam who shall come to the grave, because in him... There is found something good toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam.
Moreover, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam. This is the day. What even now? For the Lord will strike Israel as a reed is shaken in the water. He will uproot Israel from this good land which he gave to their fathers and will scatter them beyond the river because they have made their wooden images provoking the Lord to anger. And he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam who sinned and made Israel sin. And so we can see from biblical history that disaster befalls rulers and nations that forsake the worship of God. And our study indicates that Israel is on the path to fulfill God's prophecy to Jeroboam's wife, being uprooted from the promised land because of their worship of idols. And moving on in our biblical history, we have previously studied King Ahab of the northern kingdom of Israel and his foreign wife, the idolater Jezebel, who led Israel past the worship of Jeroboam's idol gods into the worship of Baal. And Jezebel's influence spread from the northern kingdom of Israel to the southern kingdom of Judah because of a bad decision made by the godly king Jehoshaphat of Judah. Second Chronicles 18 and 1 tells us, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. And although Jehoshaphat served and worshiped God, he allied himself with evil and allowed his son and the future king Jehoram to marry Athaliah, the idolatrous daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Now this marriage violated a principle by which we should live and have often mentioned, found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18, which says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Marriage is designed to be our closest relationship and the person with whom we become one flesh needs to be on the same page as we are, especially as it pertains to religious allegiances. And just as Solomon's wives led him astray, Jehoram's wife did similarly. Now the emotion that we colloquially call love is not sufficient to ensure a good marriage. Feelings are not facts, and feelings have no intelligent quotient. 
Because a man finds a woman physically and or emotionally attractive is no reason for him to throw out the objective biblical requirements for marriage. The romantic story of Romeo and Juliet notwithstanding, people need to evaluate their relationships carefully and not rush into inappropriate relationships based upon emotional criteria. Now, it's my opinion, based upon my experience in marriage and the physical interchangeability of the male and female, that given sufficient proximity, any human male and any human female can make the conscious decision to treat one another well enough to produce a happy marriage, but the possibility of a fulfilling marriage between two people is enhanced if they meet the objective biblical criteria for marriage. And God makes it clear, as we have just read, that religious commonality is a requirement. And religious background is extremely important because even if the two people marrying are personally irreligious at the time of their marriage, their religious perspective will change almost immediately after the birth of their first child. If, for instance, a Christian marries someone of another faith, the two adults can choose to part company on their various days of worship, worship separately, and then come back together in harmony, just as two people can go to different workplaces and come together again. No decision about a common religion is required until that first child is born, at which time the parents will be forced to decide into which religion, Christianity or the other faith, they are going to raise their child. And it is intuitively obvious that a choice will be required because the child cannot become a devotee of both religions. Jesus Christ can't be the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords on Sunday and then just another prophet like Moses on Monday. And God's position on interfaith marriage may seem irrelevant to those that are embarking upon a marital journey without children because God's position on the issue, like the rest of his commandments, is not given to fulfill our immediate desires, but rather to ensure the longevity of our marriages and our mutual dominion over the earth. Genesis 2.24 tells us, therefore, a man shall leave his father and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the oneness of the flesh implies the oneness of the spirit as well. And this oneness of spirit between Jehoram and his wife Athaliah manifested itself when Jehoram became king. Second Chronicles 21, 1-7 records, And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jehoram his son reigned in his place. He had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jehel, Zechariah, Azariahu, Michael, and Shephatil. All of these were sons of Jehoshaphat, the king of Israel. Their father gave them great gifts of silver and coal and precious things with fortified cities in Judah, but he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. 
Now, when Jehoram was established over the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and killed all his brothers with the sword and also others of the princes of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And Jehoram walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab had done for he had the daughter of Ahab as a wife and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he'd made with David since he had promised to keep a lamp to him and his sons forever. So Jehoram murdered his brothers to consolidate his kingdom. Idolatry and murder seem to go hand in hand as the sanctity of human life is a godly religious concept. But once Jehoram became king, his wife seduced Jehoram into becoming an idolater, even as her mother Jezebel seduced King Ahab of Israel into Baal worship. Second Chronicles 21, 11 through 15 and 18 and 19 records, Moreover, Jehoram made high places in the mountains of Judah and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit harlotry and led Judah astray. And a letter came to him from Elijah the prophet saying, Thus saith the Lord God of your father David, because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat your father, or in the ways of Asa king of Judah, but have walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, and have made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot like the harlotry of the house of Ahab, and also have killed your brothers, those of your father's household who were better than yourself, behold, the Lord will strike your people with a serious affliction, your children, your wives, and all your possessions, and you will become very sick with the disease of your intestines until your intestines come out by reasons of this sickness day by day. After all this, the Lord struck him in his intestines with an incurable disease, and it happened in the course of time at the end of two years that his intestines came out because of his sickness, so he died in severe pain. And his people made no burning for him like the burning for his fathers. But the cross-pollination of idolatry from Israel to Judah continued into the next generation, as the queen mother was the daughter of Ahab. Second Chronicles 22, 1-4 records, then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Azahiah his youngest son king in his place. For the raiders who came with the Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Azahiah, son of Joram, king of Judah, reigned. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. Ahaziah also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother advised him to do wickedly. Therefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. And Ahaziah's reign was so short because he was caught up as God dealt with the idolatry of Ahab and Jezebel in the northern kingdom. 
Second Kings chapter 8, verse 28 through chapter 9, verse 10 records. Now Ahaziah went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Bromoth-Gilead, and the Syrians wounded them. Then King Joram went back to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which the Syrians had inflicted on him at Ramah, when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria. And Ahaziah, the son of Jerom, king of Judah, went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because he was sick. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready. Take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil, pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee and do not delay. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting. And he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, for which one of us? And he said, for you, commander. Then Jehu arose and went into the house. And the servant of the prophet poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah. The dog shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And the servant of the prophet opened the door and fled. And Jehu followed the commandment of the prophet. Second Kings 9 records, so Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel, for Joram was laid up there, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to see Joram. Then Joram said, Make ready, and his chariot was made ready. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot, and they went out to meet Jehu and met him on the property of Naboth the Jezreelite. Now it happened, when Joram said Jehu, that he said, is it peace, Jehu? So he answered, What peace? As long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. Then Joram turned around and fled and said to Ahaziah, Treachery, Ahaziah. Now Jehu drew his bow with full strength and shot Joram, Jehoram, between his arms. And the arrow came out at his heart, and he sank down in his chariot. But when Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, he fled by the road to Beth Hagen. So Jehu pursued him and said, Shoot him also in the chariot. And they shot him at the ascent of Gur, which is by Iblim. Then he fled to Megiddo and died there. And his servants carried him in the chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. Now when Jehu had come to Jezreel, 
Jezebel heard of it. And she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it P. Zimri, murderer of your master? And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at her. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down. And some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses. And he trampled her underfoot. And when he had gone in, he ate and drank. Then he said, Go now, see to this accursed woman and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore they went back and told him, and he said, this is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuge on the surface of the field, as in the plot of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, Here's li Here lies Jezebel. So in the end, God's will was done. The longevity of the house of Ahab as king of Israel occurred because God gave the house of Ahab, king of Israel, space to repent. But rather than repent, they spread their idolatry from the kingdom of Israel to the kingdom of Judah. But God is an equal opportunity avenger as he not only sent a man to take care of the kings of Israel and Judah, but he also sent the same man to take care of the female power behind the throne, the queen of Israel. And the queen of Judah, who seduced her husband into sin, will have her day shortly. The cooperative coalition of husband and wife worked for good or for evil. And as we have already taught, it is important for each individual to look for a spouse that will support them as they follow the teachings of the Lord. The deaths of Joram, Ahaziah, and Jezebel at the hands of Jehu ultimately did not fix the trouble in Israel and Judah as idolatry continued in the land until, as 1 Kings 14 and 15 records, for the Lord will strike Israel as a reed is shaken in the water. He will uproot Israel from this good land which he gave to their fathers and will scatter them beyond the river because they have made their wooden images provoking the Lord to anger. And he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam who sinned and made Israel sin. But the history of the nation of Israel demonstrates to us that even with God's power, keeping Israel's military undefeated when the nation of Israel followed God, and even when God blessed the nation of Israel with abundance when the nation of Israel followed God, the arrogant sin nature of mankind has an incurable desire to disobey God and to rebel against God's most benevolent and far-sighted leadership, even as a bad child rebels against good parents, simply because he has the mistaken notion that he knows better than his parents. But there is only one cure for our rebellion and sin. 
Jesus tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3, 5, and 6, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We are born of the water in our fleshly body when we come through the birth canal, but we are born again of the Spirit of God when we receive the Holy Spirit because of our belief in Jesus Christ. We come to earth with the flesh which rebels against God and worship idols. Idolatry is actually the worship of ourselves in which we justify choosing to do whatever we want to do, just as did the Israelites of which we read today, and just as do those that do not believe in Christ in our world today. But we can choose to be born again of God's Holy Spirit, which will lead us into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ as he empowers us to understand the will of God and to do it. John three sixteen and 17 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have an everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But to be saved, we must choose to decide that our minds need to be changed. The Spirit can help us, but we must choose to decide to recognize that God knows more than we do, and that his plan for our lives is the one by which we must live. We must realize that following our own plan as idolaters do will lead us into sin and death, even as the Old Testament idolaters eventually died and were eternally condemned. But that following the plan of God will lead us into eternal life and eternal maturity, and eternal leadership. Yes, we think that we know, and we allow our emotions to guide our actions into that which we find comfortable. But when we examine ourselves and recognize that our actions, satisfying though we may find them to be, do not conform to the word of God, as in the example of those unequally yoked with unbelievers, we must choose to change the nature of our relationships to conform to God's plan for us. Given in John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And the lesson of the Old Testament is as clear as is the lesson of the cross. And we must decide whom we will worship, ourselves or the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our lesson 
for today. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you this morning for this lesson and for this historical uh, uh, insight into, into your uh, kingdom that you have given us. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to recognize what has gone on in the past and use it as a method to avoid the pitfalls of this life. Help us, Lord, to not fall prey to those who are idolatrous and wish to forsake your word in order to do that which they want to do. But help us to lean and rely on you to understand your word and to conform our lives to it. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us in our relationships, that they might be prosperous and that we might agree together to conform our lives to that which you would have us to do, that we might be able to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, we thank you for all that are in the house today. And we ask you that you would give us traveling mercies as we go down from this place and then bring us back once again at the appointed time. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for rising from the dead on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed by this presentation. For more audio and video content, please visit familylifebc.com.